I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. got a lot to unpack in this one. Oh, oh man boy do we have a lot to talk about we have a lot to discuss this one might be the longest episode of bd4 ever maybe we'll see um i'm your host rj carbone coming at you on a boom what time what day is it yeah, it's a Wednesday night after the Yankees just took a rough loss. Um, hope everybody is doing well. Welcome to the podcast. I, again, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and this is BD4. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that right now. You can subscribe to us on all the platforms where you get your podcasts. You know, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Anchor, we are sponsored by Anchor. If you want to start your own podcast, I suggest you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. It's free, it's easy, and they will pay you for reading an advertisement, just like I'm doing now. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Um, now, if you want to follow me on social media so you can keep up with me and read my rage tweets during Yankees and Knicks games, be sure to follow me on social media. If you're watching the YouTube version of this podcast, it should be on the screen. But if you're listening to this podcast, you can always find me on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to reach me on Twitter, that's at NYSportsTalkRC. Once again, Twitter at NYSportsTalkRC. If you want to find me on Facebook, that is at Rob J. Carbone. Um... I'm sorry, that's Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. And for some reason, if you're watching the podcast, the Instagram logo here is not showing up. Um, but that one in the middle there is supposed to be the Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. And if you want to find me on Facebook, RJ Carbone, r.j.carbone. Guys, we've got some things to unpack. Um, but before we get into the thick of things and discuss this whole series that the Yankees unfortunately only took two out of three and, um, you know, um, we got some other things to discuss because that was just, you know, I'm, I'm still happy. I'm still like in the, the mood that like baseball is back. I'm still trying to, I'm still enjoying it. Just the fact that we have baseball in motion again, you know. And despite it being a rough start to their season, um, the Yankees, I'm just happy it's back. And I'm happy that I'm finally going to be able to go to some games this year, too. Um, so, you know, I've been watching a ton of ball lately. Just, again, just being still in that nostalgia that it's back. I've just been watching random games throughout the day as I finish out my quarantine um, I think it'll be two weeks on Saturday where I can finally be let free and leave the house again. Gosh, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, during this two-week isolation stretch, I've just been watching a lot of baseball. I came back at the perfect time. And um, I, fucking... 
you know, well, first of all, the All-Star Game thing, they officially moved that to Colorado. Should somebody tell them, should somebody tell the MLB that Colorado has very, very similar voting laws? So if they want to be all fake woke and, you know, ridiculous, but they should probably check that uh, Colorado's laws ain't exactly fitting that narrative either. But um, that happened. I was watching the Angels a couple nights ago, and this has been going around the MLB. People have been have been raving about it, rightly so. That fucking Otani kid, Jesus Christ! I mean, he hits. So he's he's pitching. He pitches a couple innings for them. He throws like a hundred one on the gun in the first inning. Then he goes out there and hits a four hundred something, maybe four hundred fifty foot bomb at the plate. I mean. Talk about two-way talent. If the, You know, just as a baseball fan, you want this guy to work out. You want it to work. And if we can figure out a way to keep this guy healthy to where he can pitch and hit. right? He's never going to be a guy who pitches seven innings and then gets you four or five at-bats a game. That's not going to happen. But if he can do what he did the other night, pitch a few innings and then get some at-bats, you know, they, they manage it properly. That's still really fucking impressive. They can find a way to keep this kid healthy. And you have yourselves maybe a window for other two-way players that want to come in this game and dominate. So Shohei Otani, man, just as a baseball fan, impressive as hell, man. Just really cool. And, you know, the Yankees were obviously in the sweepstakes at the time, but they never ended up doing so. And was that the same year they ended up getting Stanton? I think so. I don't know. Hmm, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it, it was... The kid's impressive as hell. I gotta watch more. I mean, the Angels are gonna be a team. They're a hot commodity. I'm sure they're gonna be on some national televised games. A lot of Sunday Night Baseball for them. Um... That's where I was. I think that's. I think it was on ESPN. I think that's how I caught that game. But yeah, he's impressive. Um, going around the league here. Um, obviously, the Yanks played the O's today. Uh, this this week to begin the week, they they. I think it was from my uh, series from Monday to today Wednesday. Um, and Trey Mancini, you know, he got a nice ovation from the Yankee Stadium crowd. Good to see him back out there. I've always liked Mancini. Uh, since his rookie year, I always thought he was a solid player. But it's good to see him back out there. You know, the guy battled colon cancer last year, missed the entire year. Um, but he's back. I think he's fully recovered from it. God bless him. God is good. And he's back out there playing baseball now and living out his dream. So I'm so happy to see Trey Mancini out there. Um, he's back. And he looks good, you know. I don't think he did much against the Yankees, but it was just good to um to get someone like him back out there. <clears throat> um, and you know, it cancer patients. Um, we have our own you know guy who has a heroic story as well, and James and Tyone, who we're going to talk about tonight. Um, yeah, so some good stories going around the league. <laughs> um trying to think of what else so i'm on a negative note do you all remember our great friend james paxton <laughs> he 
He uh he left the game the other night. He's back with Seattle. He left the game the other night with left elbow discomfort. I mean, I'm so glad we let this guy walk. Listen, he was a decent pitcher, but ever since we traded for him, you know, that day we traded Sheffield to get Paxton and and Sheffield's you know whatever I, I couldn't care less that we traded him but I think it, what bothered me most was just that the Yankees Yankees fans thought they were getting something special in return and I knew it at the time I I, I was like one of the few who said it because everybody was hyping this up that overhype was just so unwarranted from the get-go I, I knew that they were going to get a guy who his entire career year by year has been hurt and when he's been healthy, for the most part, he's just been an above-average pitcher. You know, you look at the numbers, he's he's not an ace. Yankees fans thought they were getting an ace. Um, thought they were getting a number two. You know, we got to get over that one season that he had. He had one season, 24 starts, he pitched to a sub three. And then I think that one no-hitter the next year. You know, and, and, and the whole bald eagle thing. Like, we were flipping out over, over shit that's like... Not big, not a big deal. Like you look at this guy's entire career, this is who he's been. He's been hurt, and when he's healthy, he's an okay pitcher. And I was just so happy we let him go. But to see him leave the game with left elbow discomfort, you hope that doesn't end up being Tommy John, because that's usually the concern when you hear something like that. Um, but you're you're also you're not surprised. This is who this guy is. It's unfortunate that he can't be healthy. He's, um, again, when he was with the Yankees, he's flashed a lot of good performances. But then he'd eventually kind of regress to the mean. You know, law of averages would have him back down to a normal, just a good pitcher who's had trouble staying on the field. And he, he took the mound only five times for the Yankees last year. Um, his first full season with the Yankees the year before that, he struggled with some injury. You know, I was, I, I saw that and I was like, uh, it's unfortunate because he was a solid pitcher, but yeah. Um, also injured, uh, Fernando Tatis. Now he is, he, I don't think Paxton's on the DL, but Tatis with San Diego is officially on the DL. Uh, he left the game. I think he left that game. Well, he suffered the injury on Monday to the three to two loss to the Giants. Uh, he hurt his shoulder swinging for the fences. The good thing is, you know, Padres GM, uh, what's his name, Anthony Preller, maybe? Uh, he said it was non-surgical, so he's not going to need surgery or anything like that. But he still might be out for, you know, some time. And um, this is a big talent for them. It's crazy how you look at San Diego and everybody was talking about Machado, Machado, Machado just a couple of years. He was the face of the team. He was the big buck guy. They extended Tatis about 25 years. And now he's the face of the franchise. That's all you hear about. You don't even hear about Machado anymore. He's just like a piece on the side. Um, Hype-wise. But yeah. Tatis is going to have to take the take a seat for a bit. Um, and, and hey. Maybe they'll use Jorge Mateo. To fill in his shortstop. That's a former Yankee prospect. He's over there now. Um, and they'll probably go with that guy Kim. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, Song Song Kim? Something like that. So, yeah. Tatis hurt. Paxton. Possibly on the DL. So, uh, just, just going around the league here. Um, 
Do you guys see those Boston Red Sox uniforms? Like the, those blue-yellow uniforms? Very interesting there. <laughs> not, not the prettiest look, but I'm not sure if they've worn them yet. Um, I just saw a picture of it in some article. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's some of these retros. I don't know if they're retros or just new. But <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. Um, yeah, that's just going around the league here. That's that's you know, really that's but that's the only thing that's been going on. Um, I was watching the Twins Tigers games a couple days ago. I watched a couple of those games uh, this week earlier around Monday and Tuesday, I think it was. Um, Nelson Cruz guy is freaking impressive. I mean, during, what is he, 40 years old now? And to still be able to do what he's doing? He was 6 for 11 this week against the Tigers. 6 for 11 with 3 home runs, 1 of them a grand slam, 2 of them came in the same game. Um, just going off again. And you, you look at his numbers. He hit 300 each of the last two years. And he's 38, 39, now he's 40. Still hitting the ball at a high average. He's still got the insane power. Just, But I think like the, 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 con, the consistent high average hitting is probably most impressive for me. For a guy at that age. Because usually when you hit that age, your consistency as a hitter is never the same. But you could still bring the power. Right, but he's hitting at a high average. He's got a high OPS. He hasn't had an OPS below two, uh, 850 since 2013, where it was like 833. I mean, this guy's so consistently productive. He's a freak to be able to do it this well for this long. I know he had that issue with the PED suspension earlier, a few years back, but I mean, he's clean now and he's still doing his thing. He's he's productive. Undoubtedly, without he doesn't he doesn't need to take anything, and he's showing that I mean, he's a monster. I've always wished he I always wished he was on the Yankees. Um, he is a but he's he's a perfect DH, you know, for an American League team, and he's just guys so concerned. I'm just so impressed. He's one of those players who don't get talked about enough, but you look at his numbers, he's just a freak. And I was watching the Twins, and I'm like, wow, why is this guy not in consideration? Well, he, he doesn't play the field, so I guess he can't be an MVP, but he's a monster. He's a monster. He's hitting home runs left and right. Speaking of home runs, we had our first three-homer game of the season. Uh, yeah, it was the season last night. Last night, it was Colorado's um, Ryan McMahon. First three-homer game of the season. You know, it's funny. It's always some random, too, that does it. You know, some guy breaks out to start the year, but then you never hear of him again. McMahon's not a bad player. I, I guess I shouldn't call him a random. He's okay, I guess. But, like, who was it a few years ago? Some kid from the White Sox? You know, and you never heard the kid's name again. I don't know. But, yeah, Ryan McMahon, uh, three homer game the other night. Oh, there's a walk-off. I was watching that Nationals game, their first game of the season. Obviously got delayed to start, but they defeated the Braves the other night. Um, Juan Soto hitting the walk-off to bring Robles in. Base hit. Uh, game where the Braves hit four home runs and still lost. What do you know? A single won the game and the homers didn't. <laughs> um, 
That was interesting. I was watching that Reds game, another brawl, Cincinnati Reds game. There's a big brawl. Nick Castellanos from Cincinnati suspended two games for uh, for instigating. He scored a run, and as he crossed the plate, I guess he taunted uh, Cardinal pitcher Jake Woodford, you know, kind of flexing over him. And um, uh, this was because Woodford hit him earlier in the inning with the pitch. But, um, yeah, he's suspended. People were saying that Yachty should have been ejected and suspended for charging over to Castellanos. But, no, I mean, if you watch the clip, Yachty was just doing what he was supposed to do. He was protecting his pitcher. Um, Castellanos definitely instigated it. <laughs> uh, but it was it was good. I, I think these two teams have a history. Um, there's another bench-clearing brawl. I think it was the Brewers game. Um, Brad Boxberger hit somebody, and bench is cleared for a bit. I love brawls. I am happy that we have two already. I love love watching brawls. Uh, I know some people are like, oh, turned off by it. Dude, I fucking love that shit. I think we need more. Everybody's gotten so soft. <laughs> I think we need more brawls. I don't know, man. I miss shit like that. I miss when baseball was a little more physical, and guys could just go out there and beat the shit out of each other's in these bench clearers. You don't see it as much anymore, but it's definitely not the same physically. Brawls. Um, hot take here. I miss home plate collisions. I know a lot of people don't love that, but I like it. I love... I loved home plate collisions. But we won't even go there. You know, when I was younger, like... I don't know, younger, like uh, 17, 18, and... My cousins and my siblings would always play wiffle ball in the backyard. But we would always act out that, I don't know if you guys remember, that one collision with Jorge Posada and Mark Teixeira. At the time, Teixeira was with, uh, I want to say the Texas Rangers. But do you remember that play? Where, I don't remember the, the whole scenario, but Teixeira was rounding third. And Posada standing at home plate, you know, back when you were allowed to block home plate and then you were allowed to charge into him. And he tagged him out at the end, I'm pretty sure. But it was a big collision there. Both players banged up. And my cousin and my siblings and all all of us would act out that play. We would just constantly, like, rehearse it and just play it out for some reason. It was just so fun to... to <laughs> to kind of mock it a bit. It was but like I, I loved watching home play collisions back when they were legal, man. I love collisions. I love brawls. Anything physical. You know, but when I guess one thing to watch a sport that's supposed to be physical, like MMA and big into that boxing. But when you have fights that break out in sports that are not supposed to be physical, it, it's just like it's it adds that spice. So that was pretty cool watching the uh Cardinals and the you know, it was Cardinals and the Reds and then the Brewers game um, that came to had a nice bench clear so fun shit <laughs> Jacob DeGrom the other day pitched a, a gem and he took the loss I'm guessing that this has people talking again about abolishing fucking hate that word the, the pitching win you know, if we're going to get another year where DeGrom pitches really good and doesn't get the credit in the win category. But give me a freaking break, man. I mean, listen, he's obviously doesn't deserve these losses, but you know what I hate about that argument most? That people want to get rid of the win? First of all, 
it's like not not all okay so not all new not all like pro new school arguments are like like we trying to put this into words we're acting like we didn't know the value of a win back then like we're saying like oh we we need to abolish the win like take it away why why now like we always knew the value of a win we always knew what the issues of the pitching win was. It's not like we have new information. Like, it's straightforward. Like, there's nothing new we know now that we didn't then about the win. It's always been this way. So, I, I, stop trying to act like we should change it now. Like, stop trying to act like now we know this is that. So, we should change. No, we've always knew the pitching win had its flaws. But I like it. I like, I think we should. There's no, there's no point in getting rid of something. I, I think it's a good motivator. A lot of pitchers, I don't personally, as a former pitcher myself, I, I always worked hard for that W. I wanted it next to my name. It made me feel good if I could pick up that victory and know that I was a big reason. I was the reason why we picked up the victory as a pitcher. You know, I, I always took it as like a motivating factor. Um, may not mean much else outside of that, but you can ask Andy Pettit. You know, fuck me. You can ask Andy Pettit. He big winner it, it just makes a lot of sense as somebody who's been there before as a pitcher just in any competitive sport uh any competitive baseball game i love it i love i understand that you know era you know shit like that is more important in terms of judging the value of a pitcher but i don't think you should get rid of it just because it's not the most useful statistic i, I still think it means something you know inside here mentally but yeah DeGrom wasted a good performance by DeGrom did the Mets um their bullpen <laughs> yeah man um trying to think did you guys see that article uh I think it was MLB.com article former you know this was a, a while ago but they, they they posted this article a couple days ago about this Yankee from a while back. I don't even know the guy's... I never even knew this guy existed, so I might butcher his name. Ping Bodhi? Hopefully I'm saying that right. An article on this guy, I have it here in my notes, because I, again, I... Crazy story here. He's, first of all, he's one of the first Italian-Americans in baseball. Hey. Um, but in 1919, apparently during a dinner in, in, in spring training in Florida... This guy, Ping Bodhi, Yankee outfielder, known as a big eater, challenges challenges an ostrich, an ostrich, to an eating contest, a spaghetti eating contest. During just just some random night, you know, down in Florida in spring training, I guess guys were just fucking around and it challenges some ostrich, who uh, some infamous ostrich. I don't know. Weird shit, right? But they said it was like a boxing match. Like it was set up like a box. There was a ring. There was a bell. There was play-by-play -play commentary. You get a new plate of pasta for each round. There's a large crowd, security, everything. Everything like a like a legitimate boxing match. And they said that this guy, Bodie, you know, I think he won. He like tossed his fork into the crowd like at the start of the whole contest. It made it all dramatic. And he just went hands on. 
<laughs> I don't know. The weirdest shit I've ever read. And by round 10 or something, the ostrich passed out face first into his plate of spaghetti and Bodie was crowned the undisputed champion of this eating contest. But I was just reading this article I'm like, what the fuck? Shit like this is why I really wish I was around to witness the early 1900s. Just people just seem to have so much fun. They fucked around. They didn't give a shit. You know, everybody, nobody was uptight. Not everybody was uptight back then. It was just like have an eating contest with, an, with a fucking ostrich. No big deal. Just, nobody glances twice at something like that. Just really crazy shit. And apparently this Bodie guy was a really good ball player too. I think he hit, looked up the stats, he hit 272 with the Yankees um, across like five seasons or something like that. Um, eventually he was inducted into the National Italian Hall of Fame, so that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so weird shit like that is what I've been doing during this quarantine for me. But um, I, I think that's all I have here. Oh, the last thing I have written down on my notes here is the Yankees traded for Rufnet Odor a couple days ago. Um, I, I guess just an insurance move. So, you know, probably going to be stashed in triple A. Uh, I'm assuming they'll stash him in triple A. I mean, I, I can't imagine him getting many at-bats right now. Um, I don't know what to really say about this. I guess he's threatening Tyler Wade's spot. But Wade had a really good moment in tonight's game, showing why we need his speed. I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know where he's gonna get his min uh, get his minutes um, at bats, you know, or innings. And it, it, depending, he's a, he's a lefty. I'm, I'm sure they got him for his bat. He's a lefty who can hit home runs. That's what the Yankees like. They love those low batting average lefties who slug home runs. And in his prime, he was good. But the last couple of seasons, he's kind of gone downhill a bit. Um, he's only 27 or 28, which I found really interesting. I thought he was a lot older, but we'll see. Maybe he, you know, they had to, they had a DFA, Thyro Estrada. Unfortunately, I was a big Estrada guy. I never understood why they always, constantly, the Yankees would go Wade before Estrada. Every opportunity they got, don't understand it. Estrada is a big league hitter. This guy, I know he had a bad year last year, but he has proven to me that he has the talent to to be somewhat of a regular in the MLB. I think he can hit. I really do. Um, I think somebody's going to grab him. So it's unfortunately he's and he's a, he's a decent defensive player too. He can switch around and he plays his position cleanly. Um, but he's not here anymore. Most likely going to be picked up by some other organization. And I wish the best of him because I still think he can be a solid um, shortstop on an MLB team who can play some defense. And again, I kind of reminded me like a Castro slash Torres where he hits the ball. He's aggressive, but he puts the bat on the ball. He's got good bat-to-ball skills. Um, so I wish the best for him. Uh, and welcome, Rufnet Odor, the dude infamously known for socking Bautista. Um, back when everybody hated Bautista. I don't even think Bautista's in the league anymore. I miss when he was, like, hated. This big figure that everybody couldn't stand. The cocky guy who was such a danger to face at the plate because he could launch one 400 feet at any moment. But, yeah, the Yankees signed Odor. Um, and that was that. So... I have to watch the Knicks game tonight. 
you know, since the Yankees season have started, I'm, ugh, I have so much shit to do now in, in terms of, uh, so on top of the homework, so I have to do all my homework and shit for class. And then I got, after that, once I'm free from there, take notes on the podcast for the podcast, take notes, you know, write the blog, watch these games. I got to double up and watch the Yankees games and Knicks games and you know, the Yankees are every day. So I'm, I, I have to watch the Knicks not live now. I have to DVR these games and it's a pain in the ass sometimes. So I have to, as soon as we're done recording this episode, um, maybe I'll wait till tomorrow morning to watch the Knicks Celtics game, but gotta watch it. Um, <laughs> gotta watch it. And then we'll have a, an episode on that Knicks. Um, then we'll have, a, we'll have a Knicks episode for two thirty, which will be released on, um, Friday. Friday night, so. R.J. Barrett was left off of ESPN's top twa, uh, top 25, under 25 list. Top 25 players under the age of 25 years old. He was left off. Pretty pathetic. I saw the list. Bridges on there. Can't go Bridges before Barrett. Uh, y- y- they went Halliburton before R.J. Barrett. Anthony Edwards over RJ, Colin Sexton, disrespectful, very disrespectful. Not that I give a damn about ESPN. We all know, you know, I hate ESPN. We know their hate for the Knicks is evident. Um, you know, we spoke about it so many times, too many times on the show. You know, their, their whole Knicks for clicks narrative, LL Knicks, that shit. But not surprising. But like, how it's it's it is humiliating. Uh, whoever made that list, it's humiliating. How could you leave R.J. Barrett off? Just disrespectful. The guy's dropping 18-6-3 and as a 20-year-old sophomore. And you have guys like Edwards shooting 38%, chucking up shots. You have guys like Bridges, you know, who's efficient, but he's only scoring 13 a night. R.J. Barrett, and he's playing good defense, Barrett. You know, he was... 29 points tonight against the Celtics on 6 out of 6 from 3. So if I got to see what those stats look like now. <laughs> yeah, he's having a really good year. But, um... I was, I was like, wow. Yeah. Speaking of the Knicks, Charles Oakley apparently declined to have his jersey retired inside MSG or something like that. Didn't bother to click on the article. I, I, I don't know why that's still, like, talked about that whole thing with Oakley and Dolan but yeah that's really it here in the uh, pre-introduction part of this episode tonight Uh, this is episode 229 of the podcast welcome to BD4 I am your host RJ Carbone I don't want to waste too much more time further because again we've got some things to get into here we got to talk Yankees, and we have some shit to discuss. Boy, do we. I mean, it's very interesting series. It looked like it was headed in a positive direction where the Knicks could have taken the sweep in three games. But, you know, the shit happened tonight, and now we are looking at an even 3-3 three and three record headed to the drop, which is not exactly a place we like playing at. Um... Yeah, so let's let's head to our first break, and um, 
I guess when we get back, we'll discuss this fucking series and we'll get into everything. So, um, yeah, we'll be right back. Thanks for stopping by. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. So, the first game of the series, you had the Yankees take the 7-0 victory. The bats were really good. 7 hits, 7 walks, a pair of homers, and a 3-for-6 outing with runners in scoring position to get these 7 runs. So, I thought we showed a really good blend of discipline and power. And... On the other end, the pitching was fantastic, right? You had Jordan Montgomery. Um, well, first of all, the Orioles were... They piled up 13 strikeouts overall on Yankee pitching. They were held to zero runs and just four harmless singles scattered um, in this one. So, yeah, you had Montgomery getting his first start of the season, trying to bounce back from his 5 ERA year last year. Um, went six strong innings. Just those four hits, struck out seven, did not walk a batter. Again, shut out the Orioles and got the W. So it was a good outing for him. I thought he mixed up his pitches very well. Montgomery, uh, he was pounding the zone. He was elevating that fastball, which he likes to do. And the Yankees like when their pitchers elevate the fastball. Um, That's one of the things Matt Blake stresses. And um, they went low in the zone. Montgomery was going low in the zone. Uh, with the change and with the curve. You know, a very Montgomery-like performance. That's what he does. He changes eye levels. He mixes it up. He's got a deep bag of pitches that he uses. Likes to, um, you know, put movement on his fastball. And he's got a big looping curve. So, a good outing for him. Really hoping he can bounce back this season. I, I like him a lot. I would be enamored if he can be a guy who can go out there and give you six innings more consistently. You know? Um, I'm hoping he can be a good, I'm not keeping my hopes up. I, I feel like he's still number four, number five, but if he can give them, you know, six innings, two runs, three runs tops consistently, like a 330 ERA, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic, but I feel like that's a bit too optimistic, but we'll see. He's a good lefty. And again, he's not a guy who throws, you know, 100 miles an hour, but he's crafty and he's smart. He's a real pitcher who knows knows how to pitch. So I thought he looked good, sharp, but take it with a grain of salt. It is the Baltimore Orioles. So we have to see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, The lineup broke through in innings four, five, and six for New York. 
uh, you know, the fourth inning off of Jorge Lopez. You had Judge slap a cute little portrait of right field. Um, we'll get on Judge later. Uh, but this makes it one nothing. Uh, the fifth inning comes. Yanks work a bunch of walks. Jay Bruce, DJ LeMayhew, Aaron Judge again. All walk to load the bases for Hicks. Brandon Hyde then makes a pitching change. Goes to Armstrong as the first in relief. Then you get Aaron Hicks walking again. The fourth walk in a row for New York. Um, drawing in a run. So this makes it 2 nothing Yankees. Stanton then comes up. Gets his first hit of the season. A home run. Uh, but unlike Judge, this one was not a wall scraper, folks. This was like 400, I think it's, what was it, 471 feet. Shit traveled all the way to Frank's Red Hot Terrace. I mean, it was cranked. It was crushed. Um, this made it, you know, the big grand slam made it 6 nothing, Yankees. Um, it was a knee bender. That's what it was. Not a, I know a lot of people like to use the term, it was a backbreaker. But I like using the term, I'm, I'm creating a term. I'm going to call it knee bender. It was a knee bender. Because when you see these pitchers, every time Stanton hits a shot like he does, all the pitchers do the same shit. They go, they bend down the knees. They go all the way down their knees and, you know, they start cringing. That's what I'm going to call a knee bender. So I don't call them backbreakers anymore. You know, like Cohen likes to call them backbreakers because they turn their backs and look at it fly. But no, a lot of them now will just, they crouch down, you know, and cringe. So we're going to call them knee benders. Um, big 471 footer, a 470 foot knee bender for Giancarlo Stanton on a Monday night. So, yeah, 6 nothing there. In the 6, the Yankees kind of tack on uh, against Paul Fry. You had Jay Bruce walking, and he was eventually moved to third when Clint and Geo back to back singled. Then you had DJ slapping Bruce in with the base hit to right field for an RBI shocker. Uh, and that made it seven nothing Yanks, and again, that's that's that was it. You had Sessa and Chapman working the final three innings of this one. Um, they each struck out three. Chapman throwing ninety nine, hit a hundred one on the gun, um, struck out Mac, Mount Castle with a slider. Then he flashed that splitter, in which he picked up two strikeouts with that splitter against Franco and Pat Falaco. So good outing for Chapman. And a good setup inning for Sessa earlier. A couple of innings. So, Yanks take the 7-0 victory. Let's get to game two of the series. Um, another victory. 7-2. Could have been a shutout, but, you know, the ending there happened. Uh, but, Bat strong again in the 7-2 victory over Baltimore in game two on Tuesday. Seven runs, 11 hits, five for extra bases, uh, five walks, six strikeouts, and just 2 for 11 with runs in scoring position. Had some rough moments there with the bases juiced a couple of times. But overall, it was a good showing when you do score 7 runs. Um, the first inning, you know, Yankees had the bases loaded with no outs on Dean Kramer. Uh, you had two incredibly hard hit liners from DJ and Judge. Um, Kramer actually got hit on the foot off that Judge liner. But Gardy walked in the 3-hole. <laughs> God, uh, but you had the bases loaded, nobody out, and Kramer worked to Houdini, getting three strikeouts in a row from there. Stanton, Torres, check swinging or attempting to check swing on ball four. Excuse me. Then Frazier taking a fastball right down the pipe for the third out in a row, and 
Yankees failed to come through. Second inning, Bruce, Jay Bruce, showing why the Yankees signed him. Lefty popped to short porch, and there it was, a dinger. Puts the Yanks on the board one zip. Third inning comes. You got first and second, but Frazier popped up, popped up to third base. Couldn't get anything there. Fourth, they load the bases again with no outs. Um, you know, three walks. Knocks Kramer out of the game for Plutko. Hopefully I said that correctly. Um, you get DJ grounding into the 6-4-3. Um, so the double play. But a run does score Bruce. Uh, and then Judge slaps the base hit to right. So it's 3-0 after four innings. Uh, Stanton, the big double on the seventh. Shit was like, a, they said, 117 miles per hour to left field. It, it, it traveled out there so quickly. It was pretty impressive. Uh, right past the third baseman's head. Uh, that made it 4-0. It was an RBI double. And then Judge with a tack on three-run blast in the eighth. That shit was like 440. Um, that put the Yanks up 7-zip. And then... Uh, so that was that was that was a good performance of the bats. Strong performance. Good to see Judge, three hits, four ribbies. Um, Stanton, two more hits after being held hitless in the first three games, and then Jay Bruce remaining productive, and he made a nice play in the first inning too, uh, throwing home. Um, pitching was good again. Uh, Fourteen strikeouts for the Orioles. Uh, they did not walk once, and they hit just 206 with the 206 OBP. Uh, Garrett Cole for the Yankees was fantastic. He struck out 14 batters. I'm sorry, he struck out 13 of those 14 batters in seven innings. Um, didn't allow a run. Didn't walk anybody. Uh, it was just exactly what you wanted Garrett Cole to do to an Orioles lineup. Um, Chad Green pitching a clean eighth inning. And then Lucas, here we go, Lucas Letke, I think that's how you pronounce it. He struggled a bit in the ninth. Torres got lazy on a ground ball. Jim Wolf, probably, I don't think it was a right call, but he was called safe. Uh, still, Torres needed to hustle there, and he didn't. Um, but in the end, you know, Letke, is that it? Did I say it differently than I just did 10 seconds ago? I don't know. Lucas. We'll call the fucking guy Lucas. In the end, Lucas gets Freddie Galvis to chase a curve for strike three. Uh, despite the couple of runs, he gave up a home run. Uh, but the Yanks went 7-2. You know, good outing. Cole started slow, but he kind of found it. Him and Higgy. And yeah, Higgy was, was catching that game. So we'll see what happens there. But first inning, he kind of lets up a base hit to Mullins. Uh, Mullins steals second. Uh, gets the third on a wild pitch from Cole. So Cole not exactly in rhythm early, um, but he worked out of it. He ended up getting seven strikeouts in a row for his next seven outs recorded. And um, again, scattered just a couple of hits in that outing. Uh, never let a single runner cross the plate, though, so that was good. And flashed the changeup. He's becoming a true four-pitch pitcher. If he can do that, that's impressive. You know, he makes the changeup in about 14% of the time. On Tuesday night, uh, I think batters were 0 for 3 against it. Um, he was attacking the zone with the fastball, and you know, basically telling the O's to shove it with that fastball. They were just 2 for f uh, 14 or 12. Forget the stat, but um, kept throwing the slider. That slider is filthy too. He had some really nice strikeouts with that pitch, especially later in the game. Um, but yeah, if he can, if he can find that changeup and throw it more. 
like he did on on Tuesday, whew, you know, it's an effective pitch. He could certainly make a run at the Cy Young this year if he becomes a true four-pitch pitcher. I mean, that's impressive shit, you know. Which would be his first. If he does win a Cy Young, it would be his first. Because remember, there was that year a couple years ago, the last full season we had where Verlander took it. And a lot of people were saying it should have been Cole. Um, but just something to keep an eye on. You know, I know Gary was working on some first base in the in the uh, pregame earlier tonight. So maybe that's for games that we want to see Higgy work with Garrett Cole more. You know, because we know they don't have the best chemistry, Cole and Gary. But Boom was saying how they do want to kind of find something there. So we'll see. We'll see how it works. Um, and keep in mind, you know, I know him and Gary didn't exactly have a great opening day. But that was against the Blue Jays lineup, which is way more potent than Baltimore's right now. So when he was with Higgy. So keep that in mind. Uh, but that was game two. That was the second game of the series. Um, and then we get to tonight's fucking debacle. Let's head to break and we are going to discuss this as soon as we get back. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. You know, man, this was so infuriating. I don't have a fuck. I didn't lose my voice. I actually wasn't even screaming that much. I was just like in awe, I guess. How incredibly... You know what it is? I think it's just I'm so used to this team being the same exact team year to year that I'm not even shocked anymore when these mistakes happen. But yeah, we lose tonight in extras, 11 innings against the Baltimore freaking Orioles. This is a minor league, a minor league baseball team. Let's be honest. This is bottom of the barrel. A team that's probably going to lose at least 90 games, if not 100. Um, and we lose four to three in extra innings. The bats were dead again. Uh, you know, we did have 13 hits, but we only scored three runs. And I think they only had three, four, maybe five hits to score four runs. But we have 13 hits, uh, a 302 batting average to be specific tonight. And we only scrape up three runs in 11 stinking innings against the fucking Baltimore Orioles. Um, we were three for 14, 214 batting average in runners in scoring position. We stranded a dozen runners on base. You know, it wasn't even strikeouts. It wasn't even weak contact either. We had some hard hits, but we just couldn't get it done situationally. Um, you know, Aaron, uh, not Aaron, DJ LeMayu, a couple of 0 for 2 in scoring position. Um, you know, just, just the Yankees as a unit were 1 for 8 
with runners in scoring position in the first seven innings against John Means, Dylan Tate, former Yankee prospect, and um, Scott. They had the Yankees one for eight in the first seven innings with nine men stranded on base. Uh, but yeah, Means was pitching well, and the bullpen came in and just held us down. You know, we had that fucking one kid who came in late throwing 78 mile an hour changeups, and we were out there just looking pathetic. We couldn't muster up anything on this guy. It was embarrassing. <laughs> but if there's a positive from this one, Jameson, Jameson Tyone looked pretty good in his pinstripes debut. Um, very impressive for a guy who hasn't pitched in, was it 714 days or 717 days or something like that? Two years ago. Um, you know, pretty impressive considering that. And he was on a, a pitch limit too. So take that into account. But he retired his first six batters. You know, only needed 28 pitches to get through the first couple innings. Um, the Yanks had that rally there in the third. Gave him some run support. You had Guardy and DJ back-to-back -back singles. And later uh, Aaron Hicks finally breaking out of that slump with an RBI single. one nothing Yankees after three. Uh, but then that's when Jameson Tyone fails to get the shutdown in the fourth. Which I love so much when that happens. Uh, but unfortunately, he, you know, left left a couple of pitches up. Uh, the changeup for Mullins, that was a home run. A couple batters later, fastball down the heart of the plate for um, Anthony Santander because it's no longer Anthony Santander, which I still mistakenly say time to time. Um, so those two home runs were his only blemish, um, but unfortunately, that changed the outcome of the game for a while making it 2-1 O's. Um, Tyone ended up pitching into the fifth. He got a couple of outs into the fifth before Aaron Boone took him out. Again, with that pitch limit. But he was good. He went four to third innings. Um, scattered just three hits. Uh, two runs. Seven strikeouts. So he was missing a lot of bats. I think he had 11 swing and misses. Um, the stuff looked good. You know, no walks. So the third Yankee starter in a row. With no walks, that was awesome. Um, yeah, so the, the pitches look really good. The curve, curve is really good. It has a lot of depth to it. You could see the arc on that thing just by eye. You don't even have to slow it down the replay. You just watch him throw that curve. It's a nice one. Uh, fastball was solid. It was around 94. You know, not the that that was his average before the Tommy John. So it was good to see that there in his first outing. Um, they say he shortened up his arm swing from the glove to the release point. So that kind of helps him sustain that velocity. Cohen was kind of saying how Lucas Giolito did something like that to kind of revamp his career. And now he's been really good for um, the White Sox. So hopefully Jameson Tyone can kind of, you know, revamp his throwing style and uh, become that consistent number two, number three that we hoped that we hope we can get. So, yeah, he, you know, I hope, listen, he has some things to work on, but overall it was a solid, um, decent first impression, you know? So, seeing he makes his own coffee, that's, that's what I wanted to say. They were talking about it on the, on the telecast tonight. He makes his own coffee, he brews his own coffee in his locker. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. Does he use the, the pods? Like, the, like, what do you call it? The, uh, the. So, something with a K. Kettle? No. The, I don't know. 
the pods? Or does he actually make legit from the grinds? I don't know, I'm a big coffee guy, but... Makes his own coffee. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he looked good. He looked good. Hopefully he's not charging his teammates. Kay brought it up, but I, I remember hearing this story at the time. Jimmy Butler charging teammates 20 bucks a cup for coffee during the finals. He was making his own. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Um, but it was an unfortunate loss tonight. I mean, you had Tyon who pitched decently and, and the bullpen was spectacular, but it ended up coming down to this Yankees team not being able to do the little things. Gary Sanchez twice, not hustling. Glaber Torres, that big error, again, another blunder at shortstop late in the game. Uh, but Gary almost getting called out on an easy advance from first to second in the fourth inning off of that Gio Urshela base hit to right. That was inexcusable. You watch the replay, the guy literally fucking walked to second and then picked it up as soon as he saw, I don't know if it was Mancini in right field, but somebody, and he goes, oh shit, I got to hustle. So he barely made it to second. Um, and then also not hustling out of the box on that line drive double to left in the eighth inning. The ball traveled to the fucking wall. Now it was a hard hit. Maybe it would have been a single regardless if he hustled or not. But is that really the point here? Or is the point that his mentality should not be like this when he's on his last lifeline? Right? Gary Sanchez isn't somebody who's been majorly productive for this team over the last couple of years. So he can't get away with half-assing it here and there. He's got to be hustling every play. If you're on the last lifeline here, they're giving him one more shot. You have got to be on your game. You can't be... Why is the Instagram logo still not showing up? That's bothering the shit out of me. Let's see if we can fix that. But you got to be on your game. Here it is. That's not it. Sorry. I'm just trying to figure out why. I'm very picky with this, but... Hmm. Ah, who cares? Fuck it. Well, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, you know what I'm. You know what that's. That's my Instagram, at Rob J Carbone. The other two are there: RJ Carbone on Facebook and at NY Sports Talk RC on Twitter. So, um, where are we, Gary? Yeah. So that that not hustling out of the box in that eighth inning, you know. Especially, it was a one-run game. I mean, again, just you. It's we. How many times did we? See, you remember that game at the Trop a couple years ago? Not hustling on that pass ball. That was huge, very costly. And then to end the game, half-assing at the first on that ground ball double play, which he could have been safe on. And another night where he makes two bullshit, lazy dog play. He's just. Just doesn't. And people get so mad when you call Gary. There's that whole fat and lazy narrative. It's not like it's some false narrative. This is shit that's true. You watch this guy. He's very lazy mentally. He does not have a focused, try hard mentality. I don't want to hear any excuse. I don't care that he's a catcher. That's bullshit. If this guy, again, if this guy was out there hitting 300, 
giving you a 900 OPS, hitting 35 bombs a year, staying healthy year to year, being really productive, okay, you'll live with it, right? But he's not. For four years in a row now, maybe? He's struggling? He's trying to, again, find a, find faith in, in the fan base and in the organization again? He's trying to, to reinstill faith and he's out here doing this shit? That's unacceptable. Now, fortunately, in the eighth inning there, he got bailed out when the Yankees' Aaron Boone pulled Gary and pinch ran him uh, with Mike Talkman. And Talkman bailed him out, scoring from first, going all the way home on that geo double that didn't even reach the wall. Talkman using his legs, his impressive speed to get home there and, and reach base, reach home safely. And that tied the game at two at the time. But it was embarrassing. You can't, you just can't do shit like that. It's just not acceptable. It never will be acceptable. And when you have Yes Network, the most shill, you know, up the Yankees ass network you could have calling him out, you probably got an issue. They never call the guy out and they were calling him out. They were calling it unacceptable too. I mean, it, there's, there's no excuse for that. There is no excuse for any of those plays that happened tonight. I don't care. I, I don't, again, I don't care if it didn't come back to haunt us exactly. That was never the point. The point is, you're trying to find a spot. You're trying to reinstill faith in this team again. You can't be doing that. No. That was disgusting. And that's why, I, I, that's why I've never been a big fan of Gary. Because I don't like guys who dog it when they're not producing. You, you can't do both. So, that happened. Then you get to the 10th inning. If you fast forward to extras, you have the big error by Glaber Torres, right? It was 2-2 two to two at the time. You had the ground ball to Torres. Could have gotten them out of the inning. I'm pretty sure there were two outs. Torres botches it, makes a bad throw. Jay Bruce probably should have had it. A decent first baseman has that. But it wasn't a good throw by Torres. And... The ball gets past Bruce, and that runner scores, and the O's take a 3-2 lead. It was a simple routine play that Gleyber Torres couldn't make. You know, pretty poor arm angle. Um, last night, it was a lack of focus. But you, you put a little pressure on this guy, and you're safe. Yeah, you, This guy, he has trouble finishing off plays. He just always has at shortstop. It's not been a pretty transition. He was a pretty mediocre second baseman, but at shortstop, he's somehow worse. Um, and again, this was not his first blunder. He had last night in the ninth, and you had I think he made an error or two in the opening series. The first game of the season, he made an error. I think the first ball that came to him, he made an E6. So, not a pretty transition right now. Fortunately, tonight, he kind of got bailed out in the bottom of the tenth. When you had Higgy going to right field for the base hit, scoring Tyler Wade, another impressive um, piece of base running here by Tyler Wade, using his legs to get uh, to get home on that base hit, a shallow base hit to right field. Um, but that happened. Then top of the eleventh comes Chad Green. You know the Yankee bullpen can only hold it down for so long. A lot of guys pitched tonight and. Unfortunately, a bloop hit to Brett Gardner in left field off of Chad Green uh, would be enough with that runner on second rule. And it, it was 4-3 to three O's. Bottom of the 11th comes. 
Brett Gardner leads it off with a bunt that pushes Gio, who's the runner on second. That designated runner rule. He co he goes to third. So you got a guy on third with the sack bunt, one out, and you've got DJ up. DJ gets good contact again. On, uh, the Yankees didn't have issues with their hard, hard contact tonight. DJ slaps a uh, slaps a line drive to right field, but it ends up being a double play. Right fielder catches it, um, and then Geo goes home. Probably shouldn't have went home, but again, if we were saying if he didn't go home, we probably would have been questioning why didn't he go home. So I don't want to get into that. But line out to right field for Mayhew. Throw comes home and Geo nabbed in the face for the out. Wasn't even close. He was out by a mile and the Yankees lost. And again, it's it's one of those games where you look at it and it was kind of the microcosm of this team, right? So we're 3-3 three and three and we're headed to the trap and we still have the same questions. The same questions remain that we were hoping would kind of get answered after, after a long winter. Um, can Torres play shortstop? If not, where? But right now, I have no faith in Glaber Torres as shortstop. He needs to start showing Yankees fans that he can make the routine plays, right? I think Jack Curry brought it up in the post game. Very good point. How Derek Jeter wasn't exactly a great defensive shortstop if you look at the numbers, right? The metrics say he didn't have the greatest range. That's why he was, you know, one of the worst-rated shortstops in terms of defensive runs saved. Although I'm never really too high on that stat. Um, but he made the routine plays. He made the plays to him, and that's why pitchers had confidence in him out there. But with Glaber Torres, if you're not even going to make the routine plays, you know, if you're the Miguel Andujar of shortstops, <laughs> didn't need to throw that shade. I was mean. But if you're not making the routine plays, pitchers are not going to be confident out there when you're, when you're at the six. And... I just I just don't trust him. I put out a tweet earlier. It's funny because I put out a when it was a post on Facebook earlier today, before this game tonight, referencing Torres's blunder in last night's game. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was I was you know jokingly saying things I trust more than Torres at shortstop, gas station sushi, Time magazine, an elevator ride with Ray Rice. A drunken surgeon, <laughs> and literally anything. That was before tonight's fucking game, too. So, yeah, he's gotta figure it out, man. It's you know, people were saying, do we slide him back over to second? Then what do you do with DJ? You move him to first, and then what do you do with Jay Bruce? You know, you just tell him to fuck off on the bench and use him off the bench. That's not a terrible idea. You could do that. But he's a lefty. You know, the Yankees really value the left-handed hitter. You know, from, from Yankees teams in the past, they've always had that lefty slugger, so I get it. Um, you know my opinion on the, the obsession with lefties, but Bruce hasn't been all that bad as a hitter, so you don't just want to take him out. And I don't think the Yankees are going to do that. I don't think they're going to kill Glaber's confidence like that, but he's got to start stepping it up. You know, he's got to start stepping it up. Especially, you know, you were hoping the bat would be there. He's off to a slow start right now. And it's unfortunate. You know, I was hoping by year four, right? This is year four for him, yeah. I was hoping he would eventually, by this time, become a 300 hitter. 
That was the big thing. When he was a prospect, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be a 300 hitter. He's going to be legit. And he's been legit for the Yankees. Don't get me wrong. He's had two spectacular seasons. He had the down year in 2020, but so did a lot of stars. But you were hoping he got off to a strong start this year to get that confidence and kind of build towards that guy I wanted to see him be. Uh, but so far, he's off to a slow start. So the bat's not even been there to mitigate those defensive deficiencies. Um you know, but but I was hoping he'd kind of be more of a 300 hitter. We're not seeing that so far. Um, more power than expected, but that's going to come with a bit less bat-to-ball skills than we thought. Um, you know, but hopefully he can start getting the bat to come around. You know, he, he locks in every postseason, which is why I really think he can be that 300 batting average guy. You know, he locks in every single postseason when he's locked in. You know, his number, you look at the numbers, he's 343. With an OPS, you know, just shy of a thousand in the playoffs. When he's focused, he's a guy who sprays it around the the outfield, and he makes contact at a high clip, puts the ball in play, has those clutch hits when he's locked in. But for some reason, he gets into pull mode. He's not always, you know, he's pulling his head out. He's opening up, and he'll, he'll expand the zone too much. And when you have that combined with his very underwhelming defensive shortcomings, it's not a pretty product. So right now, while he's going through these growing pains, if you want to call it, at shortstop, you're hoping the bat at least starts to come around. Because right now it's looking really, really ugly for Glaber Torres as a baseball player this season. This is one of my favorite players, too. I, I'm, constantly saying, I'm constantly saying how he should be the one the Yankees... Uh, market. So that's a question. Um, again, Gary's hustle still a question here. We were hoping he would kind of. I mean, you, that's the frustrating thing. You take away tonight's couple of plays. He had a good night. He had two hits, big moments, and he's off to a, a decent start. If you take away those unacceptable plays, you know, it's a different storyline. But, <coughs> excuse me, he's got to hustle. And did, did nobody, nobody, I'm pretty sure nobody, I was watching the post game, nobody asked him about it. Nobody asked Aaron Boone about Gary hustling. Where, where are the balls here, man? I want to hear somebody bring it up. I didn't think I heard a single person bring it up. Again, I understand he didn't, it didn't hurt us, but that's, that shouldn't be the point here. I don't know. You know, mother concern is obviously you've got the bats unable to manufacture. Right, it's home runner bust for them right now. Um, they're not hitting with runners in scoring position overall through these six games. The Yankees are twelve for fifty-five in scoring position, which is a two eighteen batting average. Um, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. As a team, they're hitting two fifty-four overall. That's tenth, but. It's far, far, far from the big leaders of, of, of the year. you got the Reds, Dodgers, and Astros, 312, 310, 295. I would have, man, I wish we could do shit like that. I wish. That's the one thing that's missing. I, I wish the Yankees were a bit more balanced offensively, where they had that power, but they were able to have those bat-to-ball skills and hit at a high volume on top of hitting those home runs. And they never really do that. You know, I, I just wish we could. Um... 
I mean, we're hitting a lot of singles this year. And singles aren't bad, but when they're the only thing... Again, that's that's my thing's always been balanced. I don't want just home runs, but I don't want just singles. I want us to be able to kind of find that balance and be that all-around hitting club. Because those clubs usually win you World Series. And they usually get you those pennants. Um, but the Yankees right now off to a slow start. Not hitting the homer. Not doing much, but hitting a bunch of singles. They only had two extra base hits of their 13 hits tonight. So, having trouble manufacturing, having trouble with the power. Got to see where that goes. Um, I don't now. There was a there was a chant at Yankee Stadium tonight. Play real baseball. That was the chant. Now I don't know if they were rest, uh, referencing, you know, Manfred's gimmicky runner on second base rule to start the 10th inning or if they were just doing that as a mock or or criticism towards the Yankees for playing sloppy non-fundamental ball I'm not sure but it was pretty interesting play real baseball was the chant um I'm gonna say it was about Manfred because that role is just ridiculous um, but we've vented about that enough we don't need to get there Then there's the Aaron Judge question mark that's coming up again because he wasn't in the lineup card tonight, didn't play, and it comes out that it's the oblique injury bothering him on his left side. And it's funny because you were watching the the or you I was reading Aaron Boone's comments about it pregame, and he said. Oh, he's fine. We're just going to give him a day because we have a day off tomorrow. So it'll be two in a row before we go to the turf. The big bad turf is going to hurt Aaron Judge. If we need to, if we're in a late and close scenario tonight, this was pregame. If we're in a tight game where we need him, I'll put him in there. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, sure you will. Sure you friggin' will. You know, he's the biggest bullshitter because you had a moment tonight. It was an extras. You had... Lefty Brett Gardner against um, some Oriole pitcher who was a lefty. He had a lefty-on-lefty lefty matchup. It was a tight game. The Yankees needed a run. And he didn't put Aaron Judge in there. Because he he's hurt. Because he's actually hurt. And every time this happens, Boone has to cupcake his way into it. He has to fluff it up and put a puff piece around it. And act like it's not a big deal. But we all know he's really hurt. You know? He said that because he wasn't expecting this game to be close against the Orioles. But it ended up being close, and we saw that he was bullshitting in the end. We know that Aaron Judge is legitimately hurt, and I doubt he plays in this race series at all. And I would not be shocked if sometime this weekend we hear about Aaron Judge heading to the friggin' disabled list. Because it's gotten to a point where it's so ridiculous with this guy. He, he can't stay on the fucking baseball field. And if you can't stay on the fucking baseball field, what good are you to my fucking baseball team? I don't care how great you are when you're healthy. If you're almost never healthy and you're missing two th or one third of the season every single year, what good are you if we're trying to win a World Series? What good does that do? I am tired of it. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses year after year because he did have that one freak injury, but he's been having a lot of other injuries outside of that that haven't been freak accidents. Hopefully he's okay, but I'm not going to sit here and act like everything's fine and dandy. I'm a little concerned here 
It's an oblique. He's had oblique issues before. And here we are again. Not even seven games into the year. Not even, not even a full week into the season. And we're talking about whether Aaron Judge is going to be okay or not. And this is always how it starts, right? He'll be all right. We're going to take it day by day. And the next thing you know, he's on the DL. Oh, he should be back by this time. This time comes. Oh, you know, he had a setback. Uh, we, we, we've seen this recycled bullshit. So, yeah, we've got some questions. We've got a lot of questions that haven't been answered yet. And I had a feeling this would all happen. It's not the it's not the biggest shock in the world that Torres hasn't improved that short. That Gary is continuing to half-ass it. And Aaron Judge continues to have these health concerns. And that the Yankee lineup is still very much boomer bust. It's not concern. It's not uh, surprising. Hopefully, you know, I'm not worried. About, I've said it last time. I said it in our first episode of the season. I'm not worried about the offense as far as the regular season goes. I think the offense will find its way, you know, into a consistent rhythm. This is who they are. They're streaky. You know, they're going to hit a lot of home runs and they're going to go through some slumps too. Um, but I'm just annoyed with how sloppy we look and how nonchalant we can look sometimes. But so far, the bats haven't been there, and I'm actually really impressed with the pitching. You know, which is my biggest concern. But right now, I can't be too concerned with the way we look. Um, I do wish we could go a little deeper into ball games, but again, I'll attribute that to you know the early in the season pitch count limits that we have at the moment. But the starters have a 2.40 ERA. Uh, the bullpen has an ERA in the ones. Um, you know, it's good. The pitching has been good. You can't complain about the arms so far. They're getting it done. Um, I think we've got Corey Kluber up next on Thursday. And uh, it's just these these fundamentals year to year. We struggle with these simple fundamental plays that we can't make. Whether that be on the bases, defensively, you know, in the infield. Gary Sanchez behind the plate. Just, you know, low IQ plays. It, it's, it's so frustrating to watch. Um, so, that's that. That's it. That's it. it. It's it's frustrating that we're here again. Another slow start. Now, last year they got off to a good start. But for the most part, this team is always getting off to these stuck-in-mud starts to the season. Um, hopefully we can work our way out of it. But, uh, you know, we don't exactly have the, the best resume at Tropicana Field. You know, we've had, we had some pretty... We've had some pretty rough moments there, but especially if Aaron Judge is not going to play. If he's going to be out of the lineup, it's going to be a pain in the ass because we're going to have to sit through a slumping Torres in the two-hole, Aaron Hicks in the three-hole. Uh, at least Stanton seems to be coming around, and Gio, Rich Gio Rochella coming. He had a couple of hits tonight. It would be nice to get him going. Um, LeMahieu, you know, he's, have, he's had a couple multi-hit games, so I can't get on him, but like I still feel like his timing, LeMayu's timing, is still a little bit off. He still doesn't look like he's exactly on yet. He's had a couple of big moments with runners in scoring position. Some bad luck. Again, that liner tonight, nothing you can do. But a lot of those moments, too, where he hasn't exactly came through. Uh, you know, he had that weak chopper to third a couple nights ago. Um, he's had some, you know, just some moments where he hasn't exactly found 
that timing. Um, but hopefully he can get back at it and, you know, within the snap of the finger, we look up and he's hitting 320 again. That'd be nice. So that's it, fellas. That's all we've got for this episode. Um, a rough, rough ending to what could have been a positive series, but I, I don't think... I don't think I'm very happy with taking two out of three against the Baltimore Orioles who are, again, looking to lose a bunch of games and probably be in the basement of the American League East. So let's head to the, uh, let's head to our break. Let's head to break one more time. And when we get back, we'll get to the question of the day, the NYYNYK question of the day to wrap it all up. All right. Be right back. Knicks episode last time out, so we had a uh, question on the Knicks. Um, so last time out, our episode 228 NYY NYK question of the day. Who did the Knicks defeat in the final game of the 1988 regular season to qualify for the playoffs? That was the question. It was who did the Knicks defeat in the final game of the 88 season? To qualify for the playoffs. The answer to that question. They defeated the Indiana Pacers. In the final game of the regular season. To qualify for the postseason. They just made it by beating the Pacers. So. That was our question. For episode 228. Our NYY NYK. Question of the day. That was our answer. Sorry not question. Uh, but our question. For this episode, for episode 229, our NYYMYK question of the day, I'm asking you to name any of the three Yankee pitchers to have four 20-win seasons. Alright, so name any of the three Yankee pitchers to have four 20-win seasons. Right, there are three of them, just name one of those three. Alright, so you can give me that answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You know, you can message us the answer or you can comment the answer once I publish the link or the promo to this podcast on my social media, which you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on social media. You can find the blog that I write on the Knicks, on the Yankees after every game. And you can find all the platforms to this podcast. All that information I just said right there is on my link tree. So if you want to find all that, just go to my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I appreciate you checking out the podcast, episode 229 of the podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. If you want to find the podcast, you can get us uh, on all the podcast feeds out there. You know, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can watch us on YouTube and many more platforms to listen to us. Just go to my website, um, 
and you can find that website on my link tree. So linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host of the podcast of BD4. I'm RJ Carbone. Thank you for stopping by and I'll see you next time, guys. All right. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.